Welcome to the Off The Crutch Podcast, your home for disability-related topics from a disabled perspective. Enjoy the show. Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Off The Crutch. I recognize that many of you are not familiar with Catholicism. My goal for the next couple of minutes before I bring on my guest is to share why it is important to me. So, I was baptized in the Catholic Church, which gave me an indelible mark of my soul. I grew up in Catholic school, where I received a solid faith foundation, learning about Mary, Jesus, prayers, saints. For context on how I got to that point, my grandparents were Catholic and so are my parents, which I find very special. As I got older, I understood the role Catholicism and God played in my life with my disability. I would not be able to handle hard situations without my faith. It wasn't until several years ago that I was involved in a disability task force through my archdiocese here. I became familiar and connected with the National Catholic Partnership on Disability. This really opened up my eyes to others around the country who do similar work to provide disability awareness to parishes and people attending Mass. This organization covers all disabilities, which I find is so helpful for anybody who is dealing with a physical disability, mental illness, an invisible disability, or even dealing with ADA and accessibility issues. There's a ton more I could say about my journey with Catholicism, and because this isn't a Catholic podcast, I won't overload you all with information. Next week, however, I'll talk about reasons why I will never leave the church. I'll also provide links to anyone who is curious and has more questions about Catholicism. Now, I would like to talk about my guest for today. Her name is Lizzie Rizé, and her story is quite unique. She is a YouTuber who has a widely successful channel. Like Frank, she is Catholic, and in her videos... She speaks about many topics, mainly it's Catholicism and her journey with bipolar. To talk with somebody about their experiences with this was very eye-opening, and I commend her on being honest and transparent about the cross that she bears. So I hope you all will enjoy this interview with Lizzie and learn a bit more about her process on YouTube and the videos that she makes. Enjoy. So I'm so excited because this is the first time that I have an actual YouTuber on my podcast. Lizzie Rizé, how are you? I'm doing really good. Thanks for having me on. Not a problem. You know, I've been a big fan of yours for a very long time. And you've been around doing YouTube for how many years now? 10 years. It's been a long time. (laughs) Man, what was it like when you first started doing it? YouTube back then, I made a lot of relationship advice videos. A lot of my audience was middle school and high schoolers. So people were like, how do I know if my crush likes me? How do I flirt with someone? What do I talk about on a date? So just a lot of questions like that. It was kind of silly, but that was all my video requests at the time. And what kind of feedback were you getting after those? I had a lot of videos that went viral. Like I had a series going on, like signs a girl likes you or signs a guy likes you. And those videos have millions of views. So people had a lot of questions about like their crushes and everything. So. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. On this podcast, I talk about my 
perspective living with cerebral palsy, which is a physical disability, but I also want to shine a light on disabilities that are considered invisible. And bipolar, I'm somewhat aware of of it. Um, And I know that's one thing that you're very open about on your YouTube videos. When did you start talking about bipolar and being more open about it? A year after my diagnosis. So I was really diagnosed with depression. And then six months later with my proper diagnosis, bipolar disorder, I was so scared to talk about it with my friend, family, especially online. So in going into 2016, my new year's resolution was to be bipolar disorder. So that's when I started making a lot of videos about it. And I think I have videos on my YouTube channel now where I'm sharing advice and research, what it's like living with it, relationship advice for people with bipolar. So and from being so scared to like gung-ho and talking about every aspect of it with the internet. Now, as you started doing YouTube and then with your bipolar diagnosis, did you feel a responsibility to start sharing that with your viewers? I would actually say no. It's interesting. Someone asked this in a live stream recently. I'm really against the concepts of people like outing themselves when it comes with a mental illness. I don't think you have an obligation to talk about it at all if you don't want to. Like a great example is Britney Spears. She clearly had a manic episode when she was younger and she has bipolar disorder just objectively, but she's never talked about it. Celebrities like Demi Lovato and Halsey and Selena Gomez who do come out and share their diagnosis. So I think it's such a deeply personal thing and you can get so much judgment for it. So I think everyone should talk about it when they feel really comfortable. Yeah. And, and how long did it take you to get to that point where you felt comfortable talking about it in your inner circle to going out into the internet and sharing that? Probably like more than half a year. So like six months to eight months. Mm-hmm. And you went to school at Pepperdine. Did you have mm-hmm. um, conversations about that while you, were, while you were in college or were you not yet diagnosed then? Yeah, so I was diagnosed with major depressive disorder my junior year and then bipolar disorder halfway through my senior year. I would say that the counseling service on campus and the psychiatrist on campus were really good. They got me on medication and eventually I found a better psychiatrist off campus. But the actual professors were pretty bad. Even though I had an official diagnosis, a lot of the professors denied my mental illness and basically said like, oh, you look fine. You're not in depression. So it was really awful trying to get through school and graduate and not fail classes when my own professors didn't even believe me. So did you fight that? Like, how, how was that process like? I kind of gave up. Our disability services was a giant mess. Like I would submit paperwork and they wouldn't get back to me at all. So I think whoever was in charge of our disability services, they need a lot of changes within the office. So I was basically dealing with my professors one-on-one. Sometimes I would even like bring a friend in because it was so sensitive to talk about something that was so harming me at the time. Like I would just start crying. So yeah, I would say Pepperdine needs a lot of help. And I think the professors and staff need to go through more training when it comes to disabilities. 
Yeah, that's unfortunate. And I know Pepperdine's probably not the only university out there who struggle with providing resources for students who have disabilities. When you started to learn more about bipolar and got comfortable, how was it when you met new people that didn't know much about bipolar? Like how were your conversations like? You know, what were some of the things that you told them about bipolar if they were totally new to it? I think people really felt great and like I trusted them a lot when I would share it like a lot of times like the first time I met someone I would tell them about it just be like I'm bipolar and like insert it into the conversation and I think the good part of that is they saw it as I'm just a regular person like them and in a lot of ways like what you said it's kind of an invisible disability I think when you're just casually friends with someone and hanging out they don't even notice anything different about you But the biggest symptoms with bipolar really have to do with sleep and energy levels. So like in depression, I'll sleep for like 12 or 15 hours a day. And in mania, I only need like three or six hours of sleep and can be like completely energized and going through life. So I think people who don't know me on a really personal level don't really notice the symptoms at all. Yeah, I I appreciate you sharing that. Yeah, when I watch your videos, you're so full of energy all the time. And uh, (laughs) I hope you take that as a compliment because, you know, you you do a very good job of engaging the the viewers. What are some of the ways that you've learned how to cope and, and manage your bipolar? Well, I take medication, which is really, really important. I see a therapist. I don't drink alcohol because that alcohol is a depressant. So it makes you go into depression and then A lot of people with bipolar get like addicted to alcohol and drugs. So that's a big no. I go to bed at the same time every night, wake up at the same time every day. I work out every day and then I eat really healthy. I've been vegan for four years. So working out, sleep, medication, therapy, exercise, food, all of those are really important. Yeah. Why don't you share a little bit about what you're most famous for in terms of your YouTube videos and why people come and and watch your channel. Yeah. So back in the day, it was definitely my relationship advice videos. And with bipolar disorder, I need two videos. One is signs you have bipolar disorder. One is signs you have depression. And those videos have around like 300,000, 500,000 views. And then with my Catholic videos, I came out about becoming Catholic like eight months into RCIA And I made a video why I'm becoming Catholic. And then from then on, I've made over 100 theology videos. So people just find my videos when they're Googling different things about Catholicism, and then my channel will come up. That's really cool. So before you came out as Catholic, you were Protestant? Yeah, I grew up my entire life in Churches of Christ. And Pepperdine is actually a Church of Christ college. So that's why I knew about Pepperdine. Oh, that's cool. That's cool. And so how was that journey making the videos as a Christian or Churches of Christ then to start making them as a Catholic? Yeah. So I was really nervous because I'd been making videos about Christianity since I was 15. And so my audience had known I was Protestant and I had a Protestant audience this entire time. So I kept it a secret for like almost a year. Once I knew I was going to become Catholic, I was scared I would lose so many followers and I did. 
but I also gained so many followers who are Catholic. And then some people stuck around and ended up converting because of my videos. So it's actually kind of similar where I was scared to talk about bipolar. And then I finally did and like made so many videos. It was the same with becoming Catholic where I was so nervous to share that as well. No. So how has your relationship been with your faith and bipolar? Like what have you seen? Have you leaned on your faith through your bipolar journey? What's, uh, what's all that been like for you? It's been, it's been so interesting in mania. There's a symptom called hyper spirituality where you feel very, very close to God and the divine And it can go to the extreme, like if you're in psychosis and hallucinating, where you think you're a prophet sent by God, like Joseph Smith, who started Mormonism, was bipolar. And so he was like hallucinating, seeing an angel and like writing the Book of Mormon so intensely and like that type of thing. But my hyper spirituality, I don't really go into psychosis as much. So I will just spend hours like reading through my Bible, annotating wildly, like praying out loud for hours at a time just wanting to be alone with God for so long and kind of losing sight of the world because I'm so engrossed in God. And then in depression, I go from that to feeling nothing at all. I don't know how to pray. I don't want to go to church. I can't read my Bible. It's like the dark night of the soul is what it's called in Catholicism. So it's from feeling everything with God to feeling nothing. So I think Catholicism has really helped me and taught me that it's more about actions than about feelings. Protestantism is very into like getting close to God, feeling close to God. Whereas Catholicism is like, you go to mass every week, you think about your sins, you go to confession. These are the scripture readings to read every day. It's more action oriented. So even when I feel nothing towards God, I still keep that relationship by doing the same things every day. That's really cool. Yeah. I, I, I really enjoy watching your videos and seeing your journey, even through talking about bipolar and your Christian videos to, to Catholic. What are some stigmas out there regarding bipolar and how do you combat that through your videos? I think the biggest stigma is that bipolar is mood swings. So people think that if you're just like really excited one day and then you're angry at someone and then you're sad and then you're um, inspired, like all within one day, you go like up and down and up and down and not at all. Like that is not bipolar. That's more like borderline personality disorder. Bipolar, the episodes last for months at a time. So you'll be in a depression episode for eight months. You'll be manic for three months. It's not like you're having symptoms up and down in a week or in a day. So I get a lot of messages, mostly from guys who are like, I think my girlfriend's bipolar. Like she gets angry at me sometimes. And I'm like, no, you're just making her angry because of your actions. That's not bipolar disorder. So another big stigma I get is if I'm like interacting with my family and friends and I get angry at them because of something they did to hurt me, they'll be like, oh, you're just being manic right now and kind of write off my emotions. So that's something that I really don't like because now anytime I get upset, it's like, oh, you're just manic when really it's valid when I have those feelings and emotions. I've never experienced any of that before, but I can imagine how (laughs) those stigmas really affect you. Having a physical disabilities, there are tons of things that 
people say or their views about physical disabilities in general, that can be bothersome, but it doesn't seem like you let that uh, affect you in any way, either making videos or throughout your life. Yeah, I've developed a really, really thick skin. When I first went into depression, there were friends who denied my symptoms and there were people who kind of ditched me and stopped being friends with me. So the whole experience really taught me who my real friends are. And those people have been really open to listening to me about my symptoms and knowing what bipolar actually is and like working through the stigma. With my family, it's been a little harder. Like my dad still doesn't think I have bipolar, even though I've been diagnosed by like so many psychiatrists and therapists. He thinks it's not real. So that's really frustrating. But most people in my life do believe me and notice my symptoms and everything and have seen the different episodes manifest. That's great. Now, that's, that, that's good that you have a support system that recognizes it and they're there to support you. So maybe walk me through a little bit of your routine when you make a YouTube video. What's that process like for you? I know you share a little bit um, on your videos or at least your live streams um, and social media, but just kind of walk me through like what's a typical day for you and, and whatnot. So I start by staying really connected with my YouTube audience. So I spend time every day reading through Instagram and Twitter DMs, Facebook messages, emails, and I really get a feel for what my subscribers want me to film and video requests that they have. And then from there, I do a lot of research, especially for my theology videos, because I'm new to Catholicism. I've only been Catholic for two years. So I can spend anywhere from like, two hours to like 40 hours researching for a video and writing a video script. It depends on how research intensive it is. A lot of my videos are completely scripted. So it's like word for word. It'll take me like an hour and a half or two hours to film a 20 or 30 minute video. Cause I'm like seeing each line and then saying it and then saying it again. So the editing process can take anywhere from like 10 to 60 hours, depending on how many like graphics and music and everything are edited in. So it's a really long process. People don't realize how long editing takes, how long research takes, but the entire process is so creative and I absolutely love it. I have so much fun with it. How many subscribers do you have right now? I have 200,000. Yeah, that's, is, is that a lot in, in the YouTube world? It's actually a smaller channel. Like the biggest channels have like 5 million subscribers. So I definitely have a smaller channel. I'm not like rich off of YouTube or anything. It's really just I'm passionate about my job. But um, yeah, so I'm like a medium sized channel, I would say. You mentioned your job. So is this what you do full time? Mm -hmm. It's my full time job. That's really, really cool. Uh, any advice for aspiring YouTubers? I'm sure you get that a lot. Um, but yeah, I think with the quarantine and the coronavirus, a lot of people are staying home and looking at ways to make content. And so it seems like everybody wants to be a YouTuber now. So <laughs> what, are you, what are your advice um, for people? My top thing is having passion because it can take a long time to get views like the first year of my youtube channel i d i only got a thousand subscribers in one entire year and so it takes so much time to build up an audience and it's kind of random which video will go viral 
So just having passion about it and consistently uploading like one to two times a week. And thumbnails are the most important. That's whether or not someone will click on the video. So making like thumbnails that pop, getting a really cool title, like people accuse me of clickbait all the time, but you have to have like a popping title and like a beautiful like thumbnail. So I always put like bright colors and like exclamation marks and all caps and everything. And then tagging the videos is really important as well. So when you go into like YouTube studio, there's tags. So I always put things that people are like most likely to Google or most likely to YouTube search. So you can go on YouTube and like type in words and it fills in everything that people are searching for the most. So those are the things that I'll put in my YouTube tags. You said you get accused of clickbait a lot. What is one thing that's, or like one accusation that's was like out, out there? You're like, what? Um, so one time, I think this was in 2018, I was going to be moving to the East Coast for the summer to do a lot of traveling. So I titled the video, Why I'm Leaving. And people thought that I was quitting Catholicism, that I was leaving being Catholic. And that I was quitting YouTube. And I was like, I understand that you might think like I'm leaving YouTube, but why would you jump to think like I'm quitting Catholicism because why I'm leaving title? So that was like unintentional clickbait. And people from then on thought that it was always intentional. So a lot of times, like I don't even realize that it's going to be clickbait when I'm making the title. No. Yeah. Does that get you more views though? For sure, yeah. <laughs> but it's not, obviously, it's not your intention, right? Yeah. Cool. Um, any the last thing that you want to say to anybody that wants to be like a YouTuber or that's going through bipolar? I think with bipolar, reach out to your friends a lot. And like, especially in depression, it's so easy to not pick up the phone, to not have energy to text your friends back and to isolate yourself. So during those times, like try to reach out to your friends as much as possible and even tell them like, I'm depressed right now. I don't have the energy to reach out to you. I still want to be in your life. Please reach out to me, invite me to things like study with me, work out with me, just be honest with your friends how much you need them. Because I think especially with like the suicide rate for bipolar is one in four people do end up taking their own life. And I think when you have a strong support system, like that's what you need to make sure that you don't take your life and are able to be surrounded by people who love you. So just not pushing people away, I think is the most important thing for bipolar disorder. Yeah, that's great. Uh, if anybody wants to find you on social media, where can they go? So my name is Lizzie Rizé, L-I-Z-Z-I-E, and Rizé is R-E-E-Z-A-Y. So that is my Twitter and Instagram, but you can also just Google Lizzie's Answers Twitter, Lizzie's Answers Instagram, and my socials will come up. And your YouTube channel? It's Lizzie's Answers. Perfect. Awesome. Hey, Lizzie, I really appreciate it, and I hope you have a good rest of your day. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me on.